Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armour of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armour of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything, to stand. Stand firm then, with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Pray also for me, that whenever I speak, words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. Thank you. Welcome. Welcome to anyone joining us online. Really hope you'll be blessed by connecting with us as we come to uh, part eight of this series called Transform Living. Well, as we get into today's message, we're going to start with our memory verse for the week, just to give you a kind of a head start. Why don't you join with me, help me as I read this out. So it's Ephesians 6 verses 10 to 11 says this, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Well, today as we come to look at chapter 6 and verses 10 to 20, I want to speak on the subject of spiritual warfare. Now, thinking about that word warfare, I wonder if any of you have ever played the game Laser Quest. Anybody played that? Yeah, about three or four of you. Um, for those of you who are not familiar with it, the, the basic idea is you have two teams who compete against each other. They use these kind of laser gunny thingy bobs that are utterly harmless. They're, you're not going to get hurt. It's not like paintballing um, unless you've got a bit of an ego and you like to, to win things like I do. Um, when you get hit by the laser gun thingy bobs, you lose power. The idea is that by the end of the game, whoever's got the most hits wins. Now, I've played it once, and I've <laughs> never played it since. Um, and I can remember two things about it. The first thing is you have a pre-game briefing. And I, I, I thought, how, how hard can this be? Uh, didn't really listen to what was being said, and I thought, I'm just going to go in Rambo-style, kind of all lasers blazing, and see what happens. So that was the first thing I can remember is I, I listened not at all. Then I go in, all lasers blazing, and I realise it's a dark room. You can't actually see anybody. And for the first half an hour, I scored nothing. I got hit kind of every now, boom, boom, boom. You can't actually feel it. You just realise your gun's not working. Now, it was actually one of the most frustrating and annoying things that I think I've ever had the misfortune to take part in. And it was the sense was I keep getting hit 
by kind of unseen forces from people who've done this thing before. Now here's the thing, there was a lot more going on than the eye could actually see. And when we come to this subject of spiritual warfare, there's actually a lot more going on than often we can see or we're aware of. Now, I appreciate for, for some people here today the idea of some kind of unseen battle that affects us in the physical may feel like a kind of crazy idea. But, but I hope as we look at this passage here that you'll start to pick up how this stuff does affect us. I mean, how many of you, and I think we all do, face those times when you just feel anxious or you feel fearful? I mean, it, it may, maybe that's you right now. It's worse than that for you. Maybe that right now you feel like you are in a battle with unseen stuff and it feels like you just keep getting hit and you don't quite know why. It just feels like you're on a, on a losing battle. I've got good news for you today. I've got good news for all of us today. Believe as we look at this passage, Paul wants to teach us how to be overcomers in this spiritual battle. And whatever your circumstances are today, I believe you can get hold of four practices that Paul's going to give us here today, that today can be a day of turning, a day of breakthrough, a day where some of you have been in the midst of a battle, and I want to declare to you today, it's going to turn today in Jesus' name. That if you'll take the stuff we're learning, God's going to equip you to win in that battle. But I actually believe for all of us, whether you're in a battle or not, you probably know someone who is, And I believe God wants to equip us not only to be defensive and fight off the enemy's attacks, but also to be aggressive and attack. How many of you want to do more than just defend? You want to take ground. Well, let's have a look. It's four things that Paul encourages us to do as practices. Number one, draw strength from your ally. Now, here's the thing. I, I don't know about you, but if I'm in a fight or a battle, I want to know who is it who stands alongside with me? So in the battles that you and I face, who is it that stands with us? Well, listen to what Paul says. He says, in conclusion, be strong in who? In the Lord. Draw your strength from Him and be empowered through your union with Him and in the power of His boundless might. I've got good news for you today. Who is your ally? Yes, no less than Jesus himself. The King of Kings, the sovereign Lord of history stands alongside you and me in this battle. You may feel like you're on your own. If you're a Christian today, I've got good news for you. You're not on your own. The risen, glorious, death-defeating, sin-crushing, grave-robbing, King of Kings, Lord of Lords, Lord of history stands alongside you. And what does he say? How much power is available? undiminished, unlimited power. And here's the thing, if you're a Christian today, not only does Jesus say, I stand with you, he's actually come to live in you. And the same power, Paul says, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you and dwells in me. Now, let's do, I want you to to remind you a little bit of maths. We're looking at Ephesians 6. What comes before Ephesians 6? Ephesians and Ephesians and, 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 you're good, you're good at maths, I'm impressed, give yourselves a round of applause, okay, backwards maths, it's very good, but here's the thing, you only reach Ephesians 6 from Ephesians 1, 
where Paul has already spoken to us about what it means to be in Christ. Listen to what he says in Ephesians 1. If you're a Christian here, he's speaking about you. He says, I pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe him. This is the same mighty power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honour at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. Now, wonder, that's good news, isn't it? And it's that sense of where do I start in the battle? I start from a place of knowing the King lives in me. Now, here's the, here's the thing. This, this bit here actually reminds me of Nadia's acceptance speech when she won the British Bake Off in 2015. Having outpastried, completely fried up and totally baked off all of her nasty, vicious opponents, Queen Mary Berry then declared that she was crowned Queen of Baking. Now, in response to that, Nadia said, I'm never going to say I can't do it. I'm never going to say maybe. I'm never going to say I don't think I can. I can and I will. On the basis of one victory, she says this. How about for you and me who are in Christ, on the basis of the greatest victory that was ever won 2,000 years ago at the cross and the resurrection, the ascension, you and I can now live in victory and we can say, not I won't, but I can and I will. If Nadia can do it, how much more people like you and me? For the Jesus who's been crowned King of Kings, Lord of Lords, He's seated in heavenly places, far above all authority. Let me ask you, what's above Him? Nothing. What's below Him? Everything. If you're seated with Christ today, what's above you? Nothing. You're more hesitant about that. What's beneath you? Everything. That means whatever you are facing right now, however difficult or challenging it may be, however arrogant or loud, it's actually underneath you in Jesus' name. Always start from this place. At Watchman Nee, who's the great Chinese 20th century church leader and writer, summarising the, the whole book of Ephesians in three words. He came with three words. He says it's sit, walk, stand. What does he mean? Ephesians 1 to 3 is sit. Learn who you are in Christ. Start from there. Then walk out your faith. Ephesians 4 to 6 verse 10. Live a life worthy of the calling you've re received. Then you can stand. In other words, how do we fight from the place of victory. We work from rest. We lead from love. We work from the risen king and from the position of his authority. So I, I want to encourage you today, where, wherever you're at, kind of develop a sense of, because Jesus has won, I can overcome. Because he's the victor, I can walk in authority and victory over anything and everything that comes in my life. Death-defeating, sin-destroying, life-giving power has come to live in you. But here's the thing. Paul says that's the starting place. He says, draw strength from your great ally. But then he says, secondly, you and I, we also need to recognise your adversary. Who is it who actually I'm struggling with or I'm, I'm fighting with? You know, think about when, when situations seem to be coming against you. Maybe you feel sudden fear or sudden anxiety 
or you look around and you, you look at other people and it just feels like there's kind of a battle going on all the time. What do you think is the source of that battle? Well, listen to what Paul says. He says, Our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, the authorities, the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. In other words, that battle that you and I are facing is not primarily with people. It's primarily against not flesh and blood, but what Paul would say, there's a whole unseen world. There's a reality. You can't see what's going on, but there are spiritual forces against us, opposed to us. And even though you can't see them, they're real. And Paul's saying, be aware that this is a reality. Be alert to this. You and I, whether we like it or not, realize it or not, we are in the middle of a battle. And Paul is saying to us, be alert to this. Now, I actually think this is, this is really important. When Paul uses the word, or I use the word adversary, Paul, he uses the word the the devil. Now, I wonder when you hear that word devil, what kind of pops into your mind? Is it kind of a a mildly amusing image of a a guy dressed up in some kind of wetsuit, red red wetsuit that's got, he's got horns and a pitchfork and he's just kind of amusing, a kind of medieval picture. Well, actually, Paul doesn't say that. He says the devil is real. He says he's nasty, or around here nasty, I suppose you'd say. Um, He says he's got schemes, he's got plans against you and me. And although he is a defeated enemy, let's be clear on that, and his end is certain, he is still powerful and he has a strong organisation behind him. He wants to tire us, he wants to discourage us, he wants to tempt us, he wants to rob and steal from us now. How do we respond to that truth? Well, C.S. Lewis, the great writer of the Narnia books, he's written many, many wonderful books. And one of my favourite is a great book called The Screwtape Letters. I'd encourage you, if you've never read it, read it. Give you great insight to this battle. In the introduction to that book, he wrote this. He said, there are two equal and opposite errors into which our race can fall about the devils. He used devils. Let's think about the devil. One is to disbelieve in his existence. The other is to believe and to feel an excessive and unhealthy interest in them. They themselves are equally pleased by both errors and hail a materialist and a magician with the same delight. Let's think about those two approaches for a moment as two ditches. And you may think, which, which one of these ditches are you more prone to kind of lean towards? So on the one, there's, the, there's what uh, C.S. Lewis there, he calls the magician. What, what does he mean there? He means someone for whom everything is an over-spiritualization and a, a minimizing of your and mine responsibility as people. So I'll give you kind of on the trivial end, it's the sense of you burn the toast in the morning, start rebuking the devil for burning the toast. And the truth is you were watching too much of the football on television and you could have done something about it. Actually, but it's, it can be more serious than that. It can be things like trying to rebuke the, the spirit of debt when actually what you're doing is wasting your money on sprouts. <laughs> and what you need to do is rein in your spending, put it in wise areas, rather than rebuking a spirit of debt. Or, or you, you find that they're all kind of relational issues and there you are driving out some kind of chasing other people with your prayers. The problem is... You're a bit nasty to people. 
a bit, um, nobody in this room would actually be like that, but you're being nasty and aggressive and unforgiving, and you need to deal with the natural before you then go and deal with the supernatural. There's one ditch here. There's a super spiritual ditch. The other one is actually the one I think we're more likely to fall into, what C.S. Lewis calls the materialist. In other words, the sense that the only thing that exists is what's physical and what I can see around me. Uh, according to a survey done recently in Britain, it's reckoned that something like 18% of Brits would accept the idea there's some sense of personal evil. Well, if you, when they asked Christians the same question, the response was, was in the early 20s. So something like 75% of Christians don't believe in the devil. And in fact, they're more likely to believe in aliens from another planet than actually in the devil. And what C.S. Lewis is saying is both of these extremes are where we don't want to get. We want to be in the middle, the road between the two of them, where we go, right, there are things I can do, okay? Rein in your spending, deal with your relationships, but don't leave it there. Sometimes there is stuff going on in your and my life which is nothing to do with the natural. It's everything to do with the unseen world. And you, you, you and I, we may need to develop a habit of going, ah. For me, I like to raise my left eyebrow. Ah. <laughs> there might just be more going on here than I actually see with my eyes. That it's not just to do with me. There's actually an unseen world. Maybe there's stuff going on in your life right now. And you need to raise an eyebrow. Go, ah, there's stuff going on. There's a real unseen world and you can do something about it. That's the good news. You don't have to just come under that. There's stuff you can do. Or there may be other people around you and you raise an eyebrow. Realize there's more to this than meets the eye. Now, and what Paul goes on to say is not just recognize your adversary. He says, now I want to teach you how to defend well, and how to attack well. So he says, number three, the third practice I want to encourage you to do is put on your armour. Say that with me. Put on your armour. When if you're aware today that just as there's a, a real spiritual battle, God has provided you and me with everything we need to be able to resist every single attack of our adversary and overcome him every time. Paul is writing here, where he's writing, he's actually in prison. And as a result of being in prison, he's almost certainly chained to a Roman soldier. And he uses what you can see in the physical to talk about our spiritual armour. And he lists what those elements of the armour are. In verses 14 to 17, he writes about a belt of truth, a breastplate of righteousness, the, the shoes of the readiness of the gospel of peace. He writes about the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the Spirit. And it's important that you and I grow in our understanding of what those things mean. And when, I want to encourage you to get into the devotional this week where Dave will be unpacking for us what those different elements of the armour are and how they work. But here's the thing, I, I don't have time to unpack this, but what I want you to catch is Paul's urgency. Notice the little phrases that he uses in between describing the armour. If you went back a verse, he says, stand. Then he says, stand. Then he says, stand. Then he says, buckled, 
put on, get it in place, pick it up, don't leave it down. Wherever it is, get hold of it, pick it up. Is it in place? What is he saying? He's saying, know the armour, but his real big question is, have you got your armour on? Not, not just 20 years ago, not once did you put that armour on, but have you got it on today? Are you wearing the armour today? And he actually makes an emphasis on the word full. Twice he says, put on the full armour of God. Now, uh, I don't know about anybody else here, but I love cycling. Anybody else like cycling? I love it. I love it for many reasons. One is because you get to wear all this kind of cool, attractive gear. You know, like, like Lycra with the padded stuff on it and the cool gloves and the, the great neon yellow bits that you put on and... I've got a bit of the gear with me here. This is my favourite, but this is, this is the, my helmet. And I, when I go cycling, I love to wear this helmet. Partly because I think I just look so cool and trendy in it. Um, and everybody is always very impressed with it. I'm going to take it off. Um, now, here's the thing. I've, I've been riding bikes for quite a while. Over the last few years, I, I've learned to wear this stuff every time I go out on the bike. Now, now why is that? I'll tell you why. Because the stats on having a cycling accident are quite high. And I don't want to wait until I'm about to hit a 10-ton truck or fall off to go, quick, grab your helmet, put it on. I want to be ready for when that moment comes. I want to be prepared beforehand. In the same way, that's what Paul is saying. He's saying, be alert. There is a spiritual battle, but there's something you can do. You can be ready fully equipped to be able to handle everything that your adversary will throw at you. Now, how do you do that? How, how, how do you put on spiritual armour? How, how do people like you and I, who, who live mostly in a physical realm, how do we put on spiritual armour? There's a number of things. Paul, Paul says, the first thing actually, is we need to live it. You know, you, you think of, um, back to watch my knee, sit, walk, Stand before I stand, I need to be walking out my Christian faith. Okay, the things that Dave and Karen were talking about, the, the wisdom issues from a few weeks ago. We need to be living those things out because they position us for protection. You have a father who wants to look after you. But actually, the, the thing I want to lean into is not just live it, but pray it. Now, you may already have a great way of praying protection over yourself and over your family every day. I want to encourage you, keep doing it. Keep doing it. Don't stop. Keep doing what you've been doing. But it may be that there are some of you in the sound of my voice who you're in the middle of a battle right now and you could do with lifting up your spiritual armour. It could be that you've never done this before. That actually it sounds kind of, how do I do it? What's the practice? Or it could be you've been doing it for a long time like me and you could, you could do with a refresher, a new way of doing it. So in, in Dave's book, there's actually a prayer in there that I encourage you to, to get hold of and pray on a daily basis. But to give us a practice, we're going to pray this together right now. So in a moment, I'm going to ask you to stand with me. We're going to pray this prayer together, a phrase at a time. We're going to do it as a declaration. But as we're saying it, I want to ask you to do it by faith. And believe that as you pray it, that actually you, you're getting protected and so are other people. Now, if you're feeling particularly creative, you may want to do it like uh, Dave Smith does with, with a few actions and putting things on. It's up to you, but and I, that helps me a lot. But you may want to just stand there and declare. So let's stand together wherever you are. We're gonna, so let's declare this by faith. Three, two, one. 
I put on the belt of truth around my waist. Help me, Lord, to listen to and act on your truth alone and not be deceived by the devil's lies. I put on the breastplate of righteousness. Thank you that because of your redemption, I am righteous in Christ. Help me with my life in a way that honors you. I put on the shoes of the gospel of peace. Lord, I'm willing to go anywhere you ask or do anything you ask of me. I stand behind the shield of faith, secure in the knowledge of your goodness, love, and power. I place the helmet of salvation on my head. Thank you, Father, that you have saved me, and all the riches of heaven are mine in Christ. I take up the sword of the Spirit. Bring your word to my mind as I need it. For the glory of your name, amen. Amen. Please take, take a seat. Now, according to my timer, that took one minute, roughly one minute. How many of you think you could find a minute in your morning to be able to pray something like that every day and to make it a consistent habit? Do you know, for me with, with, with cycling, if I occasionally forget to wear one of those gorgeous items, as soon as I get on my bike, I just kind of know. Can I just feel unprepared and almost naked? Do you know? You can do this so habitually that if you forget to do it, you're like, oh, there's something wrong. I need to go back in and get myself ready for the day. And one of my prayers for us is as a church, we will be consistent in saying we're going to do this regularly, not by rote, but by faith. And here's the thing. I want to encourage you to believe as you do it, something is happening in the spiritual realm. You're not just spouting words out. You are literally putting on spiritual armour that gives you protection against the attacks of the enemy. And that as you step out underneath that armour, you're under a place of protection. But I also believe it's not just for us to do it for ourselves. I actually believe God wants to teach us how to do this for other people. I really believe as I'm speaking that there are some of you, God is going to give you an assignment. He's going to put on your heart the name of somebody who you know is in a battle right now. And he's going to ask you to stand with them, not for one day, but day after day after day. For how long? Until they get the breakthrough. I've had times in my life where God has said to me, I want you to pray for that person there. I remember one, he asked me to pray for someone and I, and I knew they were in a terrible situation. And he said, and I said, how long? And he said, until. <laughs> until it ends. So every day I prayed for that person, played protection over them. I said, God, give me a scripture for them. For 18 months, pretty much every day, I prayed over them. Do you know what? God miraculously protected them from all kinds of situations. God will do that as you and I step in and we lift up a shield of protection over other people. Wouldn't it be great to have such a shield over this church that the enemy is constantly frustrated because everywhere he looks there are shields lifted up against his attacks in Jesus' name. Let's lift up that prayer shield in Jesus' name. But here's the thing, Paul, Paul doesn't stop there. 
He doesn't say it's just a defensive battle. He also says, let's go on the attack. So the fourth thing he says is, not only do we need to get strength from our ally, not only do we need to know our adversary, not only do we need to put on our armour, but I want to encourage you, number four, deploy or use your arsenal. Do you know, God has given you and me weapons that are utterly devastating in this spiritual battle. And here he outlines two of them. There are others, but he's outlining two of them for us here. And they are the Word of God, the Bible, and prayer. Listen to what he says, chapter 6, verse 17. He says, take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Now, do you know that when you speak the Word of God out of your mouth, either in worship or in declaration or in prayer, it's absolutely devastating to the forces of darkness and they have to give way from you because there is weight and authority in the Word and on you as you speak by faith. It's like it's just like a sword. You are cutting the enemy down. In Je- I mean, fancy a bit more of that in Jesus' name. Come on. Do you know that's exactly what Jesus did? Okay, we see him in a confrontation in Matthew chapter 4 directly with the devil. Now, I'd, I'd be very surprised if any of us will ever have a direct confrontation with the devil. He's, he's limited to one place. He is not all-knowing and he's not all-seeing. He's in one physical location. When Jesus deals with him, he doesn't shout, he doesn't stamp his foot, he doesn't foam at the mouth. He just speaks the word. Listen to this. He says, Matthew 4, verse 10, he says, Away from me, Satan. It is written. Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. What does the devil do? He runs away. Why does he run away? Because the word of God is a powerful weapon. And you know, it's just as powerful in your mouth as it is in Jesus' mouth. When you speak it by faith, the enemy has to flee. Now, I don't know what kind of battle. You might be in a battle right now. You, you might know people who are in a battle. And I want to encourage you, go, go to your arsenal, go to the Bible. Get some scriptures, get hold of one that speaks right into those circumstances. You, you might be facing fear at the moment. Well, get hold. How about 2 Timothy 1 verse 7 and say, and it needs to get out of your mouth, okay? It's when it comes out of your mouth, not just in your head, out of your mouth. That's when it becomes a sword. You might want to say, I have not been given a spirit of timidity that makes me a slave again to fear, but a spirit of power, of love, and of a sound mind. Come on, and as you declare that, belief for fear is going to flee away from you. You might need to keep saying it. Maybe right now you're facing a sense of lack. How about Philippians 4.19? My God shall supply all my needs according to His riches in glory by Christ Jesus. And as you declare that word out of your mouth, the enemy is going to flee. You may have to keep doing it. You may have to do it for a season. You may have to be persistent in it because sometimes the enemy wants to see, do you really believe it? But he knows because he's a legalist, he has to give way to the word spoken in faith. Get some scripture in you. Get it on your mouth. Start changing some situations. But then Paul gives us another weapon. He says, not only have you got the word of God, but you've got prayer. 
Just try to catch here Paul's sense of urgency and the value that he places on prayer in verse 18. He says, pray in the Spirit at all times. What would that cover? Everything, isn't it? <laughs> at all times, and just in case we don't get it, and on every occasion. So when would that be? That would be every occasion. At work, at home, at leisure, at play, at rest, in my family, wherever I am. And then he goes on, he says, stay alert and be persistent in your prayers. For who? <laughs> Quite encompassing. All believers, where? Everywhere. Okay. Would you agree that's quite a big assignment? Okay, Paul is saying this is the importance of prayer. Do you know that when you pray, you wreak havoc on the adversary? Hell gets pushed back and the heaven gets released and the devil is terrified of you and I really understanding the power of prayer. Do you know, when you and I pray, there is far more going on than I think we've got any idea. If we could see into the spiritual realm, we'd be like, wow, come on. Something is happening as you pray and I pray, ground is being taken. Just let me give you one small example from the life of our church in Cambridge. A few months ago, uh, one of the guys said he lost his job. So lots of us started praying for him. Um, for a period of about six months, nothing happened. Okay, Lots of applications, couldn't get an interview, got an interview, didn't get the job. And we just kept praying. And he, we were declaring scriptures over him. Nothing was happening. Nothing was happening, apparently. And then suddenly, two weeks ago, the dam burst. Here's the thing. He got offered, in the space of five days, he got offered not one job, but six. Come on. Don't tell me nothing's happening when you pray. And here's the thing. It wasn't just any job. It's his dream job. He's actually working in the office next to his wife, getting more money than he could ever have dreamed of and doing work that he loves doing. Prayer makes a difference. And I want to say almost like Paul, keep praying. Some of you, you've stopped praying. Pick up your weapons again. Come on, let's go devastate some strongholds of the enemy. Let's go take some ground again. There are some people that you stop praying for. Let's go again. Come on, let's be persistent. Let's be consistent in prayer. Let's be those who say, how long are we going to pray for? Until the dam bursts and something shifts. How many of you have got Christmas coming up in a few weeks' time? No need to get sprouts. They're evil. You don't need them. But what you do need to be doing is praying. How many of you think there might be a battle? They run up to prayer. They run up to prayer. They run up to Christmas. What do we need to do? Get using your big guns. Get praying. Be consistent. Be persistent. Where people have said a no, pray again. God, turn that no to a yes in the name of Jesus. Turn the circumstances around. Keep praying until the dam bursts. Well, I'm just about out of time. But I want to bring this message to a close by just praying for you wherever you are, and if you just bow your head, close your eyes, wherever you are. And I, I want to pray for uh, what we've talked about here, to go deep with each, within each one of us. Yeah. Yeah, just, just put your hand. If you're a Christ follower, put your hand on your heart. Why don't you, just as I pray, agree. If, if you want to become more effective in spiritual warfare, just as I pray, just agree with this prayer. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you are the victor. 
I pray even now that you would give us a greater revelation of the strength and the extent of the one who lives within us, who is the risen conquering king. And I pray even now, Father, for fresh strength to come to any who are weary. And I pray for a breakthrough in any battles that they're facing. But Father, I ask you too that you would equip us from this moment on to be increasingly effective in both defensive and offensive warfare. And Father, we're expectant that as a result of today and hearing your word, lives are going to be changed, situations are going to change, and your church is going to be strengthened in your glorious name. And if you agree with that, say aloud, Amen.